0: Hi, folks. This is producer Gil Lamar. While recording this episode, the signal from our sister station seems to have bled into our show. The audio is faint and shouldn't detract from your enjoyment of the chat with Andy. At one point during the program, Andy talks about how there's always music playing at Goose and Gander, so just consider this impromptu interlude appropriate. Just wanted to let you know what was happening. And now, Judd's Napa Valley Show.
1: It's always finkelicious on Judd's Napa Valley Show.
2: Hi, this is St. Helena Mayor Ann Navarro, and I've got Judd grooming our city bocce courts. So I'm introducing the show. Uh, Is this Polino polished enough for you? Oh, Judd, it's St. Helena bocce. You can do better than that. Get that spot off. Yes, Your Honor. Today's guest is purveyor of my favorite burger in the valley, Andy Florsheim, proprietor of Goose and Ganda in my fair city of St. Helena. He's a fun guest with some stories to tell. But before we get to it, be sure to visit Judd at Judd's Hill on Silverado Trail. He'll show you a good time. Visiting info can be found at www.juddshill.com. And while online, have a look at their entertaining videos. Put some wine in your shopping cart. Here's my tip, by the way. Type code JNVS when ordering and save 15%, yes, 15% off your entire wine order. Join their wine club and get a better deal than that parties too now enjoy this st helena centric episode of judd's napa valley show thanks your honor you're welcome get back to cleaning up those bocce courts judd oh you got it
1: get ready for another heap full of fascinating things to know from witty and intriguing people on judd's napa valley show no stale script and no rehearsing. Live from a Napa studio. You may be that intriguing person on Judd Napa Valley Show. On Judd Napa Valley Show. Judd Napa. Judd Napa Valley. Judd Napa Valley Show. Here it comes from the 1440 KVON studio in the heart of the beautiful Napa Valley. It's Judd's Napa Valley Show. I'm Lauren Mole, and here's your host, Judd Fingelstein. Come on down. Hey, I'm the next contestant. I want a talk show. That's wonderful. Thanks,
3: Lauren. How are you? Doing great, Judd. How about you? Top of the morning. Top of the day, Judd. Top of the day. What's been happening? You know, we've had a few weeks off here. That's right. That's um, right couple trips, and um, I think, what else happened? There was was two weeks of vacation, and I think once we had a a guest
1: actually cancel on us, unfortunately, due to an illness. So, haven't seen you in a little bit. What's new? Oh, well, I'm happy to say that, well, uh, a couple of things happening this week. The first thing is, the big day is almost here. It is? It is. is. What's happening? The Sound of Music debuts this Friday in Sonoma at the Veterans Auditorium. Yes, and this is what we can attribute your glorious mustache to, is that correct? That's right, I'll be playing the role of Max Detweiler. Who has a mustache. Yes, he does. And hence, so do you. Yes. Can you give us a little piece? Ladies and gentlemen, I have with me now the decision from our distinguished judges. We will start with the award for third prize. For this honor, the judges have named the trio of the second mount of Harrigan. Second prize to... The first soloist of the choir of St. Agatha's Church in Murbach, Vorlein Schweiger. <laughs> and first...
3: Wait, 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 wait. Stop right there. Don't give away who wins first. We want people to come see the show. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> you got to leave them hanging. I a little see. cliffhanger. So if I folks want to come. How do they come see you in The Sound of Music? Uh, uh, premiering this weekend in Sonoma.
1: Yes. This, this Friday, May 9th through the 11th, at the Veterans Auditorium in Sonoma. We're not doing a Thursday evening performance this time.
3: No. No. Friday through Sunday.
1: Yes, just Friday through Sunday. And how do folks get tickets? You can get your tickets at uh, Pharmaca in Sonoma or at the door one hour before each performance.
3: Okay. Sounds good. Hope folks will come out. This is through Broadway-bound kids? Broadway-bound kids of Sonoma. Awesome. Which
1: also displays in Marin. Well, do they have to change their no, let's not get into all that uh, no. what else is happening? Well on uh, on Wednesday May 28th at 6 o'clock I will be performing with Terry Bradford and the Napa Valley Community Chorus. We've been invited back to the Opera House wonderful Yes, you guys do a great show. Thanks. That's exciting. Yes We're looking forward to it, which means sadly you will not be able to see me on the Napa show with Artie party that night
3: Oh boy. Well, um, you know folks can still uh I don't want them to not watch Artie Party because it's a great show. So hopefully they can TiVo that or whatever they do oh, yeah. and go see you at the opera house. Oh, sure.
1: With Terry Bradford. Yeah, it's gonna be great. And another event I have coming oh, up. Oh my goodness. And um, nine days from today. This is now the Lauren Mole show. <laughs> yes. Which and, is not such a bad thing. Uh, well, You're yes.
3: an interesting cat. Tell yeah, us, lay yeah. it on me. What you
1: got? Sure. Uh, this Friday, uh, coming up on May 15th, I will be in my eleventh year as the Master Ceremonies for the annual community advisory committee inclusion awards presentation which is ta- which is taken place every year during the school board meeting at the uh, at the district building over by Napa High. And what 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 kind of awards are those? Well, these are for awards for teachers who include regular and special education students all in regular classrooms. And this will be my 11th year as the MC we hand out awards. <laughs> and we also have a poster contest for all <laughs> the artists as well. Yeah. Yeah, and that'll all be presented there. I, I wasn't laughing at that. I was laugh, I was doing the math in my head. This is your eleventh year. Eleventh year. So you're a child prodigy. I mean, you started. You were. I was in sixth grade when I. You started. were about
3: eleven, I think, when you started. You must. No, I,
1: no, I was actually in sixth grade. Twelve then. I guess you could say that. All right. Well, very good. Congratulations Thanks. on all these. Thanks. Uh, great events. Yeah, I'm looking forward to them. So, what's been going on with you, Judge I, oh, I understand th- you do some MCing yourself, besides me. Well, I, I do. I do do a little emceeing
3: once in a while. In fact, thanks for asking. There's a great event coming up for the the Children's Health Initiative, Napa County is ah. coming up uh, Saturday, May 17th. Their big gala, uh, dinner, fundraiser, auction, always a great time. And I have the honor of coming back for my third time to emcee great. that event. And if folks would like information about this great organization that makes sure that all of Napa's children and now they've expanded really all Nappans uh, uh, Napa County residents can have access to health insurance. It's www.napachi.org. Wow, that's you can a- get tickets to the gala or just find out information, see how you can help out. Um, something else we've got something to put on your date. Uh, excuse me, to save the date, and if you want to put something on your date, that's oh, your own sure. business. What you do on your own time. Uh, the Juds Hill 25th Anniversary Wine Dinner is coming up for 25th Jack. year. And that's over at the City Winery on June 14th. Details are coming, but save the date. And uh, just a plug for uh, Luau Seasons here, spring. It's beautiful. My band that does old-time Hawaiian music will do your gig. Yeah, now you give can, a ring. The yeah. Maikai Gents are ready for action. If you've got an event, or perhaps you have a, uh, a place, perhaps a restaurant with a lovely patio that needs some old-time Hawaiian vibe, give a ring. Yeah. You can uh, reach me through, uh, well, my producer's email, Gil Lamar. Ah, yes. That's producer at gmail.com. Lauren, we've been talking a long time. Yeah. Hey,
1: Hey. listen, our special guest, sorry to keep you waiting.
3: Well, yeah, okay. and we do have a great guest
1: here. We do. Would you like to introduce him? Why not, Jud? All right. Let's start talking, because radio ain't no place for a mime. Our guest has a fine restaurant, a nice spot to drop a dime. His lunches, dinners, and cocktails are all known to be prime. We hope he's a good sport and will forgive this here rhyme. So let's get to it. Judd's Napa Valley Showtime. And here's our guest, Mr. Andy Florsheim. Wow. All right. How
0: about that? Wow. Welcome, I Welcome, Andy. I am on the floor. That is <laughs> impressive.
1: Shaking
3: the hand of Mr. Announcer Napa Valley. I Lord am. Moll. This is Andy Florsheim. He's Thank the proprietor you. of Goose and Gander up in St. Helena. And before we get into your whole history and the restaurant biz and the the family and all the cool things that you do. I'm, I'm a little, I'm intrigued. You brought here, is this the goodie bag that you brought here? This is, you brought a whole carton of cassette tapes.
0: You know, I'm kind of, I I don't throw a lot of things out, as my wife will attest. My, my garage is filled with all kinds of things. And so you had uh, sent me something earlier in the week that said we're going to give something away or we'd like to bring something that's personal and and, of course, I've been kind of was thinking about that all week. And uh, so I just kind of grabbed a few things as I was <laughs> heading out of my house this morning that were things that were personal and things that just kind of clicked. And uh, so I, I, I grabbed a uh, one. I grabbed a, a bottle of Nocino Della Cristina, which is an awesome local-made walnut liqueur. That stuff it's, is is delicious. We had We have a cocktail appreciation guild here in
3: Napa Valley. And last week we had the fellow who's regarded as Utah's top mixologist, believe it or not. The theme was Cocktails of Utah. He flew out, did a presentation for us. One of his drinks called for a walnut liqueur, black walnut liqueur. We picked up a bottle of that, and it it floored people.
0: It's a special liqueur. They don't... um you know we we love our cocktails at Goose and Gander and sure. we love them at other places in Napa Valley and there's not but there's not a a lot of um, liquor spirits that are made here make a lot of wine there's not a lot of spirit companies and nocino della cristina's one that's been made here for a long time and it's just a really interesting liquor and one that we put in uh, we have a very popular drink called the walnut Lazarus. That's uh, delicious, and uh, but it's a fun liquor because you can put it on. It's syrupy and it's Man. thick and it's sweet, and you can, you can put it on vanilla ice cream or you can put it in soda, and it's just kind of fun. So I grabbed that. It's great, but uh, um, but then <laughs> what I, I also grabbed because I I saved all kinds of stuff for my. My grandparents, one of the things I saved, I had like a thousands of these cassette tapes that my kids are always amazed with. I haven't even bust out these. Do they know what they are? They don't. The A <laughs> track cassette tapes. They do now. But um, oh, okay. But my wife talked me into giving away, we like sold them at a garage sale, she talked me into it at a weak moment. But I wouldn't sit give away my, my grandparents' cassette tapes. Now, no. My, my grandparents... Uh, from the old country, old Jewish couple from kind of Poland, Russia area. I thought you were going to say Chicago. Well, via Chicago, but they To me, that's the old country. Yeah. They were not big music lovers. I was amazed to find uh, some of their cassette tapes. And you brought some of them here? And I brought some of them here, but one of the reasons I did was when I went through these a couple years ago, and we had met uh, Judd um, briefly, but we didn't know each other very well, and I remember going through these tapes, and I remember seeing a Finkelstein name on yeah, a few right. of these tapes. And I remember thinking at the time, I wonder if there is a relation.
3: Let's see. This tape here, Arya Finkelstein. I'm not aware of any relation, but um, there, a, there are many musicians in my family. You've got some nice uh, Simon Tov and uh, <laughs> Bar m- Bat Mitzvah song, uh, some other good Hebrew stuff that I, if I... Pronounce them correctly. I'll mess up this microphone with the (sighs) sounds. This is cool. This is cool. So, what we do here on the show is each week we offer the listeners a chance to get their hands on Judd's goodies, so <laughs> guests bring in a goodie bag. Uh, thank you for bringing this. If you would, um, if you out there listening would like to get your hands on my goodies, which in this case are um, a few of these cassettes and maybe even this uh, bottle of black walnut liqueur if I'm willing to let that one go, all you have to do is tweet. If you're by the computer or your smartphone and somewhere safe where you can do it, send a tweet with the hashtag JN V.S. for Judd's Napa Valley Show, and you can put at Judd's Hill on there, so it'll pop up to us immediately, and if you want, even so we know what you're talking about, right, uh, getting my hands on Judd's goodies. If you can include all that stuff, we'll just take the first tweet that comes in with hashtag JNVS and uh, you can get your hands on my goodies. Thanks, Andy, for bringing wow. these cassettes. This is a very personal collection, so it, we'll,
0: it is. We'll choose a few of these. I was trying to think of something personal. <laughs> Most is probably too personal, but uh, that's why I threw in the, that's why I threw in the you know walnut liqueur, because everybody, everybody likes,
3: everyone loves, everybody that. likes walnuts. All right, well, let's get back to the old country, which to me is Chicago. I have many Chicago roots. I was just back there last week, and I do refer to that as the old country where my. Um, so much of my family and my ancestors come from the Chicago and the the Quad Cities, a little west of Chicago from there. But that, that's where you're from. That's, are you originally from
0: Chicago? I'm from Chicago. I'm from uh, Lincoln Park. Yeah. Chicago is a big city. And yeah. It's It's a big outlying area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love Chicago, and I miss Chicago, but uh, it's not so bad out here. No, it's, a, it's not. Every time I meet somebody... Um, for one, every time anytime I meet somebody that comes into the restaurant, and I'll, a lot of times I'll see their area code either on the reservation, so I'll recognize that they're from Chicago, or somebody that happens to come in. We start up a conversation. Anytime I meet somebody from Chicago, the first thing we start talking about if they if they're out visiting, they start laughing and they look at me and they say, "How did you figure out how to move out here?" <laughs> because everybody from Chicago, it's a great city, yeah. but nine out of ten of them would rather live in Napa Valley if they could. And uh, 'Cause it's it's not so bad out here.
3: It's really not. I do want to get into you know why you're here, but let's 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 ease into that. I do want to hear about your family's history because you have a long history in the food business, the family. You did you grow up in
0: this? I did. I did. I grew up um I grew up in my my parents got divorced when I was young. They they both got remarried when I was young, and my, my stepfather Started ended up in an investment in a delicatessen called DB Kaplan's in 1977, and it was in Water Tower Place. And it was a a deli that had like 155 sandwiches, and it was in the worst location on the planet. It was like in the top floor in the back corner of a shopping center, but it was a big shopping center, and people found it, and um, uh, it was a it was a great success. And he ended up taking over the deli and kind of building a pretty big restaurant company called levy restaurants out, sure. of, out of that and i so i kind of spent my summers growing up working in various ends of the restaurant business and kind of grew up in it
3: well, that's really cool was this one of the delis that has the you know big stacked sandwiches
0: named after celebrities yes it was an incredible pastrami
3: with, and chopped liver with slaw and a pickle and that kind of thing
0: it, absolutely in oh, fact, the, the menu it was an incredible menu it's like a it's like a foot long menu <laughs> and every one of these sandwiches has incredible names and uh um, oh, very me. very Let's funny see. i mean there was and it, the, the menu is actually in the national restaurant museum like hall of fame really wow. so whatever that's worth it is it is there Congratulations. you know i remember the most popular ones i know the number 14 the michigan avenue was a big one um it was like, I remember it was like pumpernickel bread, and it was like cro- roast beef, turkey, coleslaw. Oh, I remember, probably remember like three or four of these sandwiches. But um, And there were some ones that I was not very fond of on there. But uh, <laughs> I grew up, so my summers were spent like scooping potato salad <laughs> right. and coleslaw into ramekins as these sandwiches would uh, go flying out. Did yeah. you have to
3: organize the frilly toothpicks by color? I didn't, you know, sandwiches?
0: and I wasn't like punching in. I mean, I really was like, probably 11 years old and I would get dropped off and I would just scoop all day long. Yeah. And then and all the servers would give me like a buck. But it was a big restaurant so there were like 14 oh. servers and I'd walk out of there with like 14 to 20, you know, single dollar bills in my hand. And I, was like, I was the richest kid in, this, in the, the class. Good money.
3: So is that what put the idea, like, hey, if I stick in this, I could really do something? Is that what, what made you stay in the restaurant business?
0: No. You know, that was probably the most money I've ever made, actually, in the restaurant oh, business. Oh, no. No, it's a tough <laughs> business, but it's a great business, and um, it's fun when you work in a restaurant that, uh, you know, makes people happy and it's serving great food. and Right. Um, and it's also – it's a nice um, – it's a nice way of living if you're able to, you know, if you're able to work in a restaurant that has a nice culture, as we do. We've got wow. great people that work there, and it's a lot of fun to be around. It's a very social ass. It's a it's a it's a nice social life. I met my wife working in a, restu- in a oh, restaurant. a restaurant really? Together, um, we worked at a restaurant in Los Angeles uh, that my. Uh, family's restaurant company was in where we were partners with steven spielberg and jeffrey katzenberg i was gonna ask you about this and this is before they were part of dreamworks they were spielberg had amblin studios and jeffrey katzenberg was still at disney at the time mm-hmm. when he, head of disney and uh, he was the head of disney movies and but he was nearing the end of his run because he was not he thought he was going to be anointed as the um, the president but he didn't end up running it and I don't know if anybody that remembers what had happened at Disney but then he left but so Spielberg and Katzenberg were friends and they started a the sandwich restaurant called dive it was yeah. an underwater themed restaurant that, I remember uh,
3: it well it was out there yeah. in
0: Century City it was in Century City and it was and it was an amazing learning experience um, it was very cool but it was also kind of a disaster in that it cost... You know, six million dollars to six million dollars to to build it out. It was high volume restaurant, but it never made money. It just the formula didn't work. Uh, it was heavily themed, which was cool. I I went to the
3: one in Las Vegas. Yes. It was um, it must have been soon after it opened. My parents took me to Las Vegas when I turned twenty-one. Yes. So it must have been about that time. So I was either twenty-one or it, it opened 22. out there
0: in probably ninety six. 8, maybe? 97 or 98? Oh, so maybe it was open. a little later. It, it opened then. It was probably open until about 2000.
3: Oh, okay. So it was a little later. Maybe this was a different trip. But anyway, I remember my folks taking me out there. Maybe it was... Now that you're 21 and we've owed you this trip for a few years... <laughs> And I remember uh, eating there. I thought it was cool. We sat by a portal, and it felt like we were underwater. We're in the submarine. Oh, it was it was
0: was great. It was crazy. There were um, it was a very cool experience. They would we had you know there were giant screens everywhere. It was all very high tech. Spielberg, you know, because it was Spielberg, of course, he was like he didn't want to use any stocked underwater footage. This was this is one of the reasons (laughs) the restaurant didn't work. He went and shot his own. Yeah, he we (laughs) actually sent a film crew to Micronesia oh, come on. to shoot all kinds of underwater footage. That were really funny, but you got to sell a lot of hamburgers to pay for yeah. that. And so the numbers were off from the beginning, but I think we were so excited to be working with Steven Spielberg sure. that it was like, "Ah, let's do it." And then, you know, and then uh a year down the line it was like, "Okay, wait, what's going on here?" And um you know we it was it was it was a great learning experience i'll bet you know i read a quote of yours in the saint helena star that
3: said uh, pertaining to this you said you you learn great lessons by
0: being involved in big mistakes yeah <laughs> you know i, I remember uh, going to growing up the father of a great entrepreneur and um, used to follow and go see entrepreneurs speak every once in a while and i remember seeing this one guy bill farley who was a great chicago Entrepreneur ran into a number of problems, um, but uh, he had started Fruit of the Loom, he was the Fruit oh. of the Loom guy. I think he even ran for like president of the United States one year. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think he got like one vote, but he ran and he was a bigger than life character. And I remember um, seeing him speak once and he was just boasting about this success and this success, and he also had some of these like monumental, well known failures. And at the end of his, you know, talking about one success after another. He took it was at Northwestern Business School at Kellogg. And they asked a uh, first question, first kid asked, um, Mr. Farley, thank you so much. You've um, you told us about all of these great successes, but I followed your career and I happen to know there were some pretty big <laughs> failures as well. Um, how come you're not talking about them? And he responded and he said, he didn't miss a beat, and he said, I haven't had any failures. He said, I've had some very expensive learning experiences but never any failures. It's a great attitude. It is, and, you know, it's kind of funny. On one hand, you're, it's a little bit of full of it and a little bit of rationalizing, but it's a good way of looking at it, which is sure. as bad as that business experience or personal experience is, mm-hmm. as long as you learn from it and you move forward and you don't repeat it, it was a, it was a lesson. Well, and it
3: sounds like you did learn something from the dive experience because I you're learned. obviously in the business and seem like you're...
0: I learned a lot. Doing well. And that one wasn't my own money, but it was... uh, But you still... When you're involved in a business failure, it's just... You can learn just as much from someone else's failure than your own. Right. So, you know.
3: You still hang with uh, Mr. Spielberg?
0: I do not. uh, You know, Stephen and I had a... I wouldn't say we had a falling out, um, but... He didn't, he didn't keep calling after the restaurant closed. Um, I don't know
3: why. I see. You know, my wife used to work for him, and I thought, well, maybe we should all get together. Bring him up here. We'll get together, talk about
0: the old days. He, you but know what? He was one of the nicest, coolest guys I've ever met. And um, the times that—and it was—I was actually working in the film business at the time. I After school, after growing up in the restaurant business, I left, and I was in film production for about three years, and— um, after college do tell and we and the reason i ended up working at dive was i was working on this movie in mississippi mm-hmm. a, Huckle, a huckleberry finn it was a huckleberry finn remake starring elijah wood um and it was in the middle of mississippi and there was a there was a great uh cinematographer on the movie janusz kaminsky oh famous who was won yeah. uh, awards at the time though he hadn't won anything he was a Polish cinematographer that was trained in Chicago at Columbia University and I was working for Janusz cuz I was uh, I was like a low level person on the camera team. Mm. I would do video assist for directors and I loved it. I worked on one bad movie after another and Janusz was bragging at the time that he was going to um, do Steven Spielberg's next movie. And this, we were kind of this kind of a low budget Buena Vista Disney movie in Mississippi, and so it was kind of a big deal. But every the big people always knew their next two or three movies, so right. he knew he was doing this, and everyone was like, "Oh my god!" And I was like, "You got to take me with you. You got to take me with you. Like take me to Poland to shoot Schindler's List." Wow. And he's like, "I can't do it. We're hiring all the lower level people over there." Mm. In the middle of the shoot, I get a call from my um, my stepfather in Chicago, and he said. You're not going to believe it. Steven Spielberg called. He wants to come to Chicago to taste sandwiches because he wants to do a sandwich concept. And I and before he hung up the phone, I was like, "I'm out of there." Isaac, like, "I'll be there. Let <laughs> me go to the meeting. Let me go to the meeting." And he said, you, "He's like, you can't go to the meeting." And I said, "I got to go to the meeting. I won't say a word. Just you, please." And he said, "Okay, you can come and meet him, but then you can't come to the meeting." It's so the I fastest said,
3: okay. anyone ever got from Mississippi
0: to the Chicago. Only right? time I've ever left any a, a movie, because when you're on it, you're on it, you work every day. There's no sick oh, yeah. days. You work, you work 16 hours a day. It's the only job that makes the restaurant business seem easy because you're really, people making films is nuts. Yeah. You work 16, 18 hours every single day, and it's hard physical work. Um, but so I fly up to Chicago for a day, I crash the meeting, and I end up, like, listening to Steven Spielberg and Jeffrey Katzenberg talk about movies and he had just gotten back from Jurassic from shooting Jurassic Park and he was in post production and he was about to go shoot Schindler's List and it was so cool and I took my stab at trying to get on the Schindler's List I was like you got to take me and Spielberg's like he looks at me Stephen goes who, who are you what are you doing here and I said oh yeah well, I'm Larry's son Andy I've been in the restaurant business most of my life but right now I'm I work on movies and he's looking at me like I'm crazy and he goes uh, i'm not doing that right now i said please i said i'm telling you i'll do a great job and he looked at me and he said i'm i'm done with video playback now he said i just spielberg was always famous for holding the camera and shooting the camera himself uh-huh. he would the camera he would get the cameraman out of the way and then his technology changed in film production uh, the, then they would create like a little video monitor so the camera, so the directors and producers could see what was going through the the camera and then they started taping that so they could see the shot right. instantaneously and that's what my job was. I would be in charge of the box and then I would record it so they could see what just happened and Spielberg had just finished this movie where he had, he had gone from being the cameraman to where now he was just looking at the box, replaying it over and over and over again and he would just finished this experience We he said, I'm done with video uh, playback. I'm not doing it. I'm getting into sandwiches. Good luck. And and he said, and he looked at me and he goes, why don't you come work it and we'll, why don't you come work on the sandwich restaurant? And I was like, okay. Sure. So I went, so I was like, I was actually Okay, Steven, whatever yeah, okay, you say. okay. If that's what it'll take. But really, I was kind of at the end of my um, restaurant career, uh, my uh, film career anyways, and I chose to get back into the restaurant thing and move out to Los Angeles and Opened up dive for him and he really was a, a great owner. It's too bad that it uh, it didn't work very well. Well, when we come back from this break, we're gonna talk about stuff that is working well
3: for you. What's happening now these days free in the restaurant world, life in Napa Valley, and whatnot.
1: We'll be back with more of Judd's Napa Valley Show. Right after these messages. La, 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 la. Everyone's a Fingle friend on Judd's Napa Valley Show. At 1440 on your AM dial in Napa and streaming live in Chicago at KVON.com, it's Judd's Napa Valley Show. Here we are. Thanks, Lauren Mole. you got to put in that plug for Chicago, the hometown of
3: our guest, Mr. Andy Florsheim, restaurateur extraordinaire, proprietor of Goose and Gander in St. Helena. And uh, let's talk about it. You know, we talked a little bit about your past. Let's talk about your present at this point you know, Goose and Gander. It's there. What's happening? I know you're renowned not only for the food and the great vibe, but the cocktail scene there. You guys are doing
0: it. You know what? It is a very special um, place. And I've been in the restaurant business essentially my whole life, as I've just told you. Um, But uh, nothing, when I first came across and went to the Martini House um, 10 years ago, it was one of those restaurants that you just kind of takes you because of the the spot it's a hundred year old house this house that walter martini built almost a 100 years ago and it's always been the center of kind of little sleepy saint helena and it's just a very special spot from the time that i think uh walter was a was a bootlegger and there's not a lot of basements here in california and he's got this incredible basement um, bar, um that pat Coletto would turn into a bar and it's just an awesome spot and when I got my when I was lucky enough to get control of it a few years ago, um, I knew this was something that was just had an opportunity to be a, a an institution as Martini House was becoming. And so this was this was kind of the restaurant spot that I had worked my entire life for. And um, it's inspiring. And we've put together an incredible collection of uh, talented people from. The guys that did the bar program to my incredible chef, Kelly McCown, to the service staff. Um, It's just a really terrific place. And uh, from all the restaurants that I've worked, I've enjoyed Goose and Gander the most because I've never been involved in any restaurant where people walk out happier, where people are ecstatic, where people just want to talk about the food and they just want to talk about the drinks and they want to talk about the wine. and, um, And it's a lot of fun. You know, it's uh, Napa Valley's a happy place. You know, I remember reading, there was something that came out a couple years ago. I don't know if you saw it, Judd. Yeah, uh, Judge, the but happiest place in America. The happiest place in America by by by, by, by how they, the criteria was tweets. Yeah. And um, although if you read into the criteria, one of the buzzwords for happy was wine. Hey, <laughs> it what, makes me happy. <laughs> but it's true. But it is true. Um, but nevertheless, it is. And I had always, I had sensed that in the, six years I'd been out here, I'm like, wow, this is a really happy place. This is a really nice place to live. But it's nice because the people that are here are generally very happy, and it's relaxed, and it's nice, and it's it's easy. And the people that come here are ecstatic. They have, um, you know, they've left their children at home. They're drinking. They're running around They're whether they're taking one day or one night or a whole week, they're on a wonderful kind of Usually, childless locate um, vacation right. and having the time of their life, and and their you know their e-ticket for those of you old enough to remember the e-tickets mm-hmm. at Disneyland, their e-ticket is going to Goose and Gander, and you know maybe going to French Laundry or going to. You know one of the other wonderful restaurants that are in Napa Valley, and so you're kind of getting them at really is this is their time where it's you know they're coming out they might be getting a massage they're going to taste some wine they're intoxicated in so many different ways, and and then we're getting them for you know they only get so many meals out here and you get them for a meal and they are so excited when they're coming in and they've heard so much about our restaurant and then we exceed their expectations and they're just bubbling and it's it's a lot of fun to um spend your life being around people that that say oh my god this is incredible this yeah is you
3: can't ask for much more than that i know i've had a great time every time i've been in uh, of course love the drinks and i gotta say if i had a nickel for every time i've seen somebody on facebook posting a photo of the cocktail. They've had at Goose and Gander because every cocktail is presented so beautifully and garnished so beautifully.
0: I'd have a lot of nickels. It's, you know what? The cocktail program there is really special. And um, when we first took it over, we kind of joked about the fact that this bar was so cool. We were like, we can serve cold hot dogs and warm beer, and people are still going to (laughs) come. Yeah, just to go to that bar. But you know what? But we went the opposite direction, and we put the the, the best bar bar program uh, on the planet in the best bar on the planet. And all of a sudden, people come in, and they go, all right. I mean, once you walk into that bar, you know you have arrived. Yeah, for sure. Or if you walk onto the patio at a function, and somebody hands you a cocktail and you look at it. Before you've even tasted these cocktails, you look at it, and they're gorgeous. The the colors and every one of them is perfectly made and, uh, and incredibly consistent. And you see it, and before it goes in your mouth, and you see, like, fruit and, um, you know, fresh juices and spirits perfectly blended. And before you take a sip, you know how good it's going to be. And then you take your sip, and you go, all right. These yeah, guys there's no doubt.
3: It. Those drinks are feast for the eyes as well
0: as the taste buds. Yes. And you know what? And it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun being a part of people's experiences. And we've only been open two years now. But um, what's a lot of fun is now we're at the point where we're getting people that are coming back and we're getting calls on a daily basis of, oh, I just was looking at the menu online and you're not running the whatever anymore Mm -hmm. because our food is consistent. But we're also it's seasonal. It's one of the things that's amazing about Napa Valley is there's so many things that are fresh at various times of the year. And so the menu always changes a little bit with most restaurants sure. up here because it's seasonal and fresh. And people taste things, um, and there's so many things on our menu that people go, they they get hooked on. You know, whether it's some one of our shrimp dishes or our scallops, but people get hooked and they come back and they they want what they had last time. And most of the time we can do it, but they're you know people are always walking out really happy, so it's of fun. Of course.
3: And what is it? What is it about Goose and Gander that reflects you? I mean, you're the man behind it, so how have you, you know, inserted yourself into it? When folks go there, how are they experiencing you as a person as well?
0: Well, it's, you know, for one, a lot of times my wife and I, uh, my wife Trish and I are are both there uh, often greeting people and talking to people um, because it's because it's fun and we like to be there but um you know it's also it's laid back you know it's it's interesting it was the the location and the the place were so special when we took over but some of the changes that we made were reflective of the way that we like to eat and the way that we like to go out and you know it was a fancy upstairs it was always a fancy white tablecloth restaurant um i had been to martini house 20 times and had never stood upstairs and a lot of people had said the same thing and a lot of people only went upstairs because they went for their it was their anniversary meal was a special dining meal or they only sat outside there's a lot of different special places to eat there but some of it was a little too formal and you know one of the things we wanted to do was take some of the downstairs vibe take it upstairs so it was just as easy um and just as comfy to kind of just roll in and sit and have dinner upstairs as it is sitting downstairs by the fire, um, and we also wanted to make it just a little more casual outside, so people could roll in with their kids at five o'clock or six o'clock, and the kids can, um, you know, feed our fish by the uh, at the pond, and it was kind of a nice place to have a nice lazy family meal, always focusing on the locals and trying to keep it low key, and. Um, the bar downstairs, basement bar, we hardly had to do anything with. We brought in some some of the big cozy booths that we put in upstairs and made it a little more cozy. But um, we really didn't have to do too much down there, um, and you know, people appreciate it. Um, it's it's. I think the locals are happier because it's a place they can go a little more often. Mm-hmm. Um, we we're still totally serious about food and about cocktails but we just like doing it with our jeans on we're not okay. like we're not big fans of getting dressed up um we just uh, we just appreciate great food and uh and great cocktails and great wine and it's an inspiring location and um you know the, the servers that work there are very knowledgeable but it's also casual it's right but to, you know you have to really know your stuff, though, to be casual and serious about food. And, and our servers and our bartenders and our um, uh, all of the support staff people really work hard and they really care um, about making people happy and they're proud of the food and the cocktails are coming out and yeah. It's it's been a lot of fun. You know, yeah. we play a little rock and roll. Uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes there's some people that are, you know, used to uh, – a little bit of a quieter dining room. Um, unfortunately, we're, we're, we're big fans of music, and so we kind of play our, our music and generally rock and roll up in the dining room and down in the bar and out on the patio. And, uh, and what's awesome about this summer, what we did last summer uh, that we're doing this summer is we're doing um, uh, our summer Sundays, which starts. and on, So every Sunday from about one to four in the afternoon, we have live music um, out on our patio and um, a lot of returning bands from last year and it's no cover and people just sit out there and eat and drink and kind of roll in and roll out and you know as as gorgeous as napa is there's not a lot there's not a ton to do outside especially with eating there's not enough um, restaurants that have outdoor seating and we have an incredible patio yeah it's a gorgeous gorgeous little patio there an outdoor area and now we're doing live music and we've got a A portable bar, and we we've done some um, uh, we're kind of doing some fun events, and one of which you're not you're gonna think I just made this up, but we were just talking about taking. One of the Sundays um, this summer, or else doing it on a different day. I think they're all booked and doing a luau. Say luau. Oh, he's out. luau. Oh, okay. But I'm t- and Michael Jack Pasden is came from Michael Jack Pasden, um, who said we've got to do a luau this summer. Here's and, my card. And so we were we've been debating on who the music is, and I think we're done now. I think. All right. On. So now we have a band for our luau, <laughs> and we now we'll have there. to find a good date, and uh, we'll see if we can get some of our. Uh, well, have to get some of our Napa friends to make a trip up, and we'll find a good date. Oh, I'll bring an entourage, have tropical cocktails as well. And we are gonna, and I think what we're gonna have to do is roast a pig. Oh, there you go. Because Kelly, uh, Kelly's been looking for a reason to roast a pig. He loves (laughs) cooking whole animals, and I think if it's gonna be a proper luau, we're gonna have to put a pit in the in our yard, um, at Goose and Gander, and we. We we're wondering who was going to play, and now we've now we right, got get man. All right, well, let's talk. Aloha. Well, I can certainly see how the vibe reflects
3: you as you sit here in your, you know, blue jeans, and you got the the get attitude. So, much appreciated. And Obviously, it's a hit with the locals and the um, and the visitors here. Now, I'm kind of curious. I, I was reading a little bit about you, you not know, to get off of Goose and Gander, but you're also involved in, or at least the the company with other restaurants. You know, throughout there's. There's food service at sports venues. Well,
0: there's yeah. It's interesting. I came so I kind of, as I told you a little bit earlier, I kind of grew up working at a restaurant company that started as a deli. Yeah, and I worked in a deli, and they in the 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 restaurant company Levy Restaurants started opening up different concepts, most restaurant companies do things the easy way, and they find one concept that works and when you get a concept that works, you roll it out right. we seem to do things the hard way, but it was like <laughs> because we were very creative and it was fun to come up with one concept after another and so right, we, right. we kind of did a lot of different restaurants in the Chicago area, mostly in downtown um and it was all different types of restaurants, well um, some of which are still around spiaggia. it 's one of the um, uh, highest end Italian restaurants in the country, and James Beard Award winning, um, and then there was Bistro 110. There were a lot of great restaurants, but none of which were really duplicated. Then, in the kind of the early 80s, our company started doing the food service at White Sox, and yeah. for unless uh, you know, for the young kids, they don't even remember the days when there weren't stadium clubs and skyboxes, mm-hmm. but. There used to not be any skyboxes. This is all very recent. And so when they started doing skyboxes, Levy Restaurants, we ended up doing the food there because the owner of the White Sox and the Chicago Bulls, a guy named Jerry Reinstorf, was one of the first people that built one of the new stadiums with a lot of skyboxes, first recognized that the the formula that you can make a lot more money selling these skyboxes to companies for hundreds of thousands of dollars a year or millions as opposed to selling two seats at a time to individuals. So he was one of the first people that built the stadium with a lot of skyboxes, was having a hard time selling them, and he was one of the first people who said, maybe if I change the food service. So at the time, all of the – if you had food in a stadium, it was coming from an Aramark, it was coming from a Sodexo Marriott, it was coming from a company that kind of did – was a hot dog and hamburger company, concessions company, and then all of a sudden – you've got skyboxes and stadium clubs where you're entertaining high-end clients and it was demanding a different kind of food um,
3: right so you had to up the game i do we're getting a little short in time but yeah. i I want to ask you something obviously it's done well so well, maybe just quickly name a few of the big venues because you said that the White Sox oh, you have so something in Wrigley.
0: Well, it, it went from so it was a Wrigley Field, a lot of Chicago ones, and then Levy started doing stuff outside of uh, Chicago, like the Staples Center, which is kind of like the oh in LA, the other end yeah. of where it's like all skyboxes and right. three professional teams, and Levy done, does all the concessions and the food there. But now, then became part of Compass Group, which uh, so th- things things evolved. All right, something on my mind. I read. At the Lincoln Park Zoo
3: in Chicago. Now, are there certain sensitivities you have to have when you're doing food service at the zoo when the people have been looking at the animals all day? And then which animals do you serve? Are you the ones that run the kiosk by the reptile house, the Taste Like Chicken Cafe? Is that one of yours?
0: <laughs> you know, you know, that's actually pretty funny. For one, oh, thanks. I grew up across the street from the lincoln park zoo so if i just so you know if i open my window you could hear i could hear the seals at night oh. um and my parents still live there and when i'm back with my kids they still hear the seals when we're back and uh, we've come visit in the summertime but um and should, the lincoln park zoo is the last free i believe it is the last free zoo in america so it's a very special place because you don't have to just like it's not like you have to dedicate 4 hours you just it's in the middle of Lincoln Park so you ride your bike through it so if you're oh, riding crazy. your bike so it can be a you know 10 minutes walk you know you just walk through it or take a bike ride it's a very special place um but no i i have to tell you it's uh there's not any you don't rules consider anything. i think that they don't um you know i don't think that they really broadcast um, nothing too exotic nothing too exotic it's funny though i think that i, I think Cindy paulson probably is more challenging doing the fish oh, right. doing fish at the monterey very bay very rigorous uh eating sushi the restrictions there. there and yeah you're right
3: <laughs> looking right at him so you are Lifelong restaurant business. You know food inside and out. We didn't even get to the Central American chicken. We'll talk about that next time. We're running a little short on time.
0: But give the name of that anyway so folks can Oh, that Pollo up. Campero. That was okay. a fun couple years of my life. It was okay. the largest chicken chain in Central America. They actually just opened up in San Francisco. Uh, and it's amazing fried chicken. It really is the best fried chicken. Okay. You, I'm you sold. Know, it's I'll good. be there.
3: Pollo Campero. So you know fried things, but do you go nuts for donuts?
0: I do go crazy for donuts, as well, a matter he, of
1: fact. Well, he's bringing a pink box to you right now, Andy. All right. <laughs> Help Andy, us out. right
3: there, there's a nice selection of donuts from our favorite buttercream bakery here in Napa. I'd like you to select one of those right now. Okay. And then I've got a question for you. Well, I would have to take this donut. Okay. Oh, oh he went for the pink glaze. I the did. first one Whew. in the... How long have we long been doing this? 15 months, something yeah. like that? Okay, I, the first oh, to take good. the pink glaze over the maple old-fashioned. So oh, you've got good. a pink sure. glaze donut. You're nibbling it here in a beautiful napa valley morning what what item would you pair that with from your goose and gander menu what would you which plate would you add that to
0: wow well you know we generally don't do breakfast although we do brunch on easter and mother's day so i would say it probably goes best with a mother's day uh our mother's day brunch uh coming up i would say it's probably a Probably pretty good there. Um, And because of the pink color, I'd probably serve it with a cocktail. Maybe a Scarlet Gander.
3: Scarlet Gander. Go to Goose and Gander to get one of those. Sit at the bar. But now it's time to play everyone's favorite party game here on Judd's Napa Valley Show.
1: This is Mad
3: Libs. We're getting a little short on time. We're going to go quick. You've got kids. I know you play Mad Libs, so you're going to breeze right through this. Andy Florsheim, let's go. I need a year.
0: 1940. 1940. A geographic location? Um, Where my wife is right now, Bangladesh. Oh, wow. Okay, Bangladesh. A number, this could be any number. One trillion. We're going big here. One trillion. One trillion. A plural noun? A plural. Let's go with sheep. Sheep. Well,
3: you are good at this, going quickly. An adjective?
0: Uh, An adjective. How about agitated? Agitated, okay. Hopefully, not how you are right now. You don't seem it. No. A plural noun. A plural noun. Um, not to get too nasty, but let's, how about idiots? Let's go with idiots.
3: <laughs> idiots. Another plural noun. Uh, another one, uh, coconuts. Coconuts. And one more adjective um, fragile. Fragile. Yeah, do you go nuts for coconuts? There we go. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Andy, you sent me a little biographical information about yourself, and I pulled some stuff out from the web, articles about you, and you've just rewritten a bit of it. Here we go in Mad Lib form. Andy Florsheim began his professional career in 1940 when he went to work for Levy Restaurant's first operation, D.B. Kaplan's Delicatessen. In 2009, after hiring and training his replacement, Florsheim moved to California to pursue a lifelong passion of living in Bangladesh <laughs> by way of California. That's pretty good. Florsheim was quite familiar with Martini House, the bar. This is what we were, we were just talking about. We're, now we're talking about your Goose and Gander. And um, you said, this is your quote, I came here one trillion times and I never went upstairs. And about the transition from Martini House to Goose and Gander, Florsheim says, the goal from the beginning was, how do we not mess with the sheep? which are perfect, and drive traffic upstairs, actually bring the agitated bar vibe to the upstairs. Ah, right. (laughs) Yeah. Upstairs, we wanted to create more idiots. We wanted bigger coconuts. We wanted a little more fun. So we brought in a fragile chef,
0: Florsheim said with a laugh. That is scary (laughs) because some of it is so true and some of it, thankfully, is not. But uh, there's a few that are truer than I'd uh, like to think.
3: Andy Florsheim, proprietor of Goose and Gander. Thanks for joining us on Judd's Napa Valley Show. If you would like to get your hands on Judd's goodies, Andy has brought me a selection of cassette tapes of Broadway hits, My Fair Lady, Phantom of the Opera, South Pacific, Jackie Mason's The World According to Me, and, oh, Tom Jones Live in Las Vegas, and Carol Channing. This is an old cassette. The new new musical comedy, Hello, Dolly, as well as a bottle of the uh, Notino, black walnut liqueur all you have to do is tweet with hashtag jnvs and at judd's hill and you might want to add get in your hands on judd's goodies thanks for
1: joining us and this is Lauren mole speaking for judd's napa valley show a gil lamar production judd's napa valley show